Good morning, church. Good morning and welcome to Riverside. So glad all of you are here today. It's, it's already been an amazing day, and, um, and I hope all of you were able to join in the celebration that happened just a few minutes ago under the big tent. What an amazing time to celebrate communion. What an amazing time to hear the amount that was given and was pledged to be given. If you somehow missed that announcement, the total number was, let me find it here, I wrote it down, was over $2 million, $2,015,940 given and pledged to be given over the next 36 months. Can we just take a moment and say thank you again to God for just an incredible, incredible day, incredible morning. And if you somehow missed that moment, and you also missed communion, so it's available in the back, and if any time you want to go get that, uh, you, can, you can celebrate that as we continue to spend time in the Word of God and in worship today. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this church. Chad, I'm grateful for that song you shared. I, too, I'm amazed at Jesus, and I'm amazed at this church, and I'm amazed at how just the, the hand of God, the Spirit of God moving uh, in us and through us and among us. It just continues to be revealed to us. And it's, it's such a, I, I describe it this way. It's like we have a, a front row seat to the greatest show on earth, right? And it's the activity of God, the spirit of God moving in the hearts and lives of, of real people in a real church in, in this day, in this moment. What a blessing, what a blessing that is. Today has already been a, a big day in the life of our church. Next Sunday will be a big day in the life of our church as we as we have Engage Sunday. And then the next Sunday will be another big day. I feel like every Sunday is a big day right now in the life of our church. I want to tell you about the next Sunday. That's First Fruit Sunday. That's November 6th. And that's simply a day we're asking everyone to bring that, that first gift. Maybe you're like our family. You're going to give the same amount every month over the next 36 months. That's the Sunday to go ahead and bring that, that first gift, that first offering on that Sunday. Maybe you've said, I'm going to give a one-time gift. Maybe that's your situation. That's the day to bring that gift. Or you're going to give a set amount every every year over the next three years. You're going to bring that first gift. Maybe, you, maybe you've already given your gift. That's totally fine. That counts. That works. But November 6th is First Fruit Sunday. It's a chance to give those first gifts as a part of this campaign. And it's just an amazing, an amazing thing to see the generosity of this church like unfold in, in us and through us. And it's so exciting. Uh, today, we're kind of landing the plane on this series we've called something bigger uh it's this 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 belief right that not only can god do something bigger immeasurably more in us and through us than we can ask dream or imagine but the fact that god wants to this is what we believe that not only can god but god wants to do in us and through us infinitely more immeasurably more than we could ask dream or imagine and, and as we sort of land the plane on this idea of this series i want to kind of end with this question. I think this is the question that Jesus was always asking. He never asked it in these words, but I think this is the question that was behind everything he did, behind everything he said, every every story he told, every everything he taught his disciples and all those who gathered to hear. This was the question hanging in the balance that everyone had to had to answer, right? Here it is. For what would you make a drastic and life-altering act? And here's another way to ask it. Maybe, maybe this is better for you. For what would you be willing to go all in? I don't know about you, but we live in a world where people, people go all in for so many things. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of us, we go all in for sports. We go in for the teams that we root for, cheer for. Uh, Mark, I know it didn't go your way yesterday, but, but if you're an Aggie and you watch the game, maybe you were at the game, you might have been like this person yesterday who was cheering on the Aggies. If you've ever been to an Aggie football game, and y'all can back me up on this, they go all in. Am I right? I mean, you, I've been to a game. It's unbelievable. Those guys, those girls, they go all in for their team, cheering 
them on, even when it doesn't go their way. They are all in. Or maybe you pull for the University of Texas, you're a longhorn like these guys. They, they don't mess around. <laughs> they, they go all in when they're cheering for their team. I, I got this picture of our student minister, Grayson, at the, the game uh, yesterday. Looked like this. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this was yesterday or maybe this was at the Tennessee game. I don't know. But, okay, this isn't him. But I, I would not put it past him to dress up like this guy, right? These Bama fans, they go all in for their team. And I know the Cowboys start in about 19 minutes. So I'll work fast. You may be getting dressed like this here in a little bit. Uh, Randy's already got the shirt on. He's ready to go. He's hoping I'll hurry up and get to the point. We're getting there, right? People go all in for a lot of things, especially their sports teams. We go all in for all kinds of things. Sports teams, sports cars, our houses, vacations, our family. There's lots of things we go all in for. You know, somebody told us somewhere along the way, go big or go home. And so we spend our lives, you know, going big, going all in for all kinds of things. But here's the question for those of us in this room, those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, right? Are you willing to go all in with God? Are you willing to go big with God? And what does that even look like? What does that mean? What does it look like to go all in with God? Jesus was famous for telling stories, right, about what it looks like, what life looks like, when you go all in with God. He told all these stories, and, and through these stories, he was trying to describe, paint a picture of what, of what life looks like when we go all in with God. If you've got your Bible or the YouVersion Bible app, would love to invite open up to Matthew chapter 13 this morning. Jesus tells two stories in the span of three verses. These stories are similar but different, and Jesus is talking about, hey, let me tell you what life looks like. Let me tell you what it looks like when you go all in with God. And these are some incredibly short stories, but they're packed with power. The first story goes like this. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and I want to push pause there because I want you to think how you would finish that line. What do you think the kingdom of heaven is like? What do you think about when you think about heaven? If you're like me, if you're like most people, when you think about heaven, you probably think about a place, right? We've got pearly gates, streets of gold. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And you're not wrong, right? We've got these beautiful pictures of what heaven is like all throughout Scripture. None more beautiful than what we read about in Revelation. But when Jesus, when he talks about heaven, it seems like he's always talking about a kingdom. And I want you to hear how Jesus describes heaven here. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Isn't that interesting? How is the kingdom of heaven like a treasure? I don't know what you think about when you think about treasure, but you, you probably think about things you have or things that you can possess, things that are of great value. Whatever we value, that's our treasure. Whatever it is that we value, that becomes our treasure. I love I love watching a good heist movie. Anybody love a good heist movie? I think I may have talked about this recently, but I love... I'm the only one. That's okay. Entertain me. Uh, I love watching a good heist movie. Um, recently, my son Will and I got to watch uh, The Italian Job. Don't know if you remember that movie. Great movie. It's got all the classic and key elements of a good heist movie. There's this random group, right, of thieves. All have different talents and abilities. They come together because there's a safe full of gold. And so they, they plan the perfect, you know, the perfect heist to steal the gold. They're going to become rich beyond their wildest dreams. They've got plans to spend this money on all these incredible you know, outrageous things to, to get everything they've ever wanted. But then 
plot twist, there is a betrayal, and then there's a plan for revenge, and then there's a new heist, a new plan, a new plot to steal the gold, to steal the treasure, and they're going to get it again, and it's awesome. And the fact that they're all driving Mini Coopers 100 miles an hour makes it even more fun to watch, right? They've all agreed, though, this treasure, whatever it is, it's worth risking absolutely everything for. The treasure, it's worth risking everything for. And I think one of the reasons a lot of us, maybe just me, but a lot of us like watching these kinds of movies is because we get it. We know what it is to value something and to spend our lives seeking, pursuing, going after that that which we determined is of great value. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. A treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and he sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, maybe you've heard this story a thousand times. Maybe you've heard it for the first time today. It's a parable. It's a story. And the worst thing you can do with a story, with a parable that Jesus tells, is to read it and walk away unchanged. Like, Jesus tells these stories because he wants to mess with you a little bit. He wants to disturb you. He wants you to think and rethink everything you ever thought you knew. He tells you this story because he wants it to do something to you, something in you. It's meant to mess with you a little bit and raise questions and doubts and make you wonder, what is Jesus getting at? Jesus tells this story because he wants to affect you in some way about a man who could literally be anyone who finds a treasure of ultimate worth, so much so that he sells everything he has so he can buy the field and have this treasure of immeasurable worth. And I don't know what the story does to you or in you, but I think it begs this question. For what kind of treasure? In other words, what would have to be hidden in this field for you to go sell everything you have so you could go buy that field and have the treasure? For what would you make a drastic and life-altering act? What would have to be hidden in that field for you? What is it that you prioritize over everything else, so much so that you would leverage everything to have this treasure? Is it your health? Your assets? Is it your family? Is it your lifestyle, your image, is it what people think about you? What's that treasure for you? For what kind of treasure would you make a drastic and life-altering act? What is it that you prioritize above everything else? What we sometimes forget is that Jesus cares about priorities. Jesus cares about prioritization, and sometimes... Maybe it's good. Maybe one of the things Jesus wanted to happen when he told this story was for all those who heard it then and all those who hear it today to maybe push pause on the busyness that is their lives and just take stock of our priorities and ask that question. What is it that we prioritize above all else? Anybody feeling a little bothered yet? A little disturbed? I hope so. Not because I want to step on your toes, but I want the story to do what Jesus wanted the story to do and I want it to affect you in some way. Raise questions within you, make you rethink everything you thought you knew. The second story, it's similar to the first, but it's also different. I want you to hear this story. Verse 45, the very next story, Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. 
Now, almost every English translation that you read is going to say something, something almost identical to this. But if you look at the original language, if you look at the Greek, there's actually a word that's missing that Jesus used. And, and it may not seem like a big deal. I want to tell you right now, it's not going to change your salvation or what you believe about Jesus. But there is a word that's missing in almost every English translation. And I think that the word that's missing has the opportunity in a very, maybe a small way, maybe a big way for you to change the way you understand what Jesus said. I think maybe it points to something Jesus wants us to think about. If you read it in the original language, it might say something like this. You'll you'll see the word there. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man, a merchant, on the lookout for choice pearls. You may say, what's the big deal? The only word that was left out is the word man. The word in Greek is anthropos. And and maybe you're right. Maybe it's not a, a big deal at all. But maybe Jesus is suggesting that in in the first story, the man who finds the treasure in the field, that could be any man. That could be any one of us. I mean, who among us wouldn't love to, to be in some random field and stumble upon a treasure, right? Who wouldn't want to win the lottery or at least find a 20 out on the sidewalk? That would be amazing, right? But in the second story, Jesus says, there's a man who, oh, by the way, is a merchant. This person has an identity. He has a vocation. Jesus is talking about a person who, 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 who in this story, it's a parable, right, about a man who is a merchant who, through this story, his identity could be changed by what he discovers. It's a specific person with a specific identity who is looking for something of specific value. And that word looking, by the way, look out, searching, seeking, That's the little word zeteo in Greek. It's the same word Jesus used when he said, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. And if you do, as you do, your heavenly father will provide for you everything you need. It's the same word Jesus used when he said, seek first, seek above all else the kingdom of God. Seek and you will find. So Jesus says this man who is a merchant is seeking, he's looking, he's on the lookout for choice pearls. And these choice pearls, they would have been, they would have been, of great worth today in our world, but, but in the ancient world, in the days of Jesus, I mean, we're talking about incredible worth. Choice pearls, you didn't just happen upon those. Not just anybody had those. Only the, the ultra-wealthy had choice pearls. Only kings and queens had choice pearls. So this man who was a merchant, he's on the lookout of something that is of incredible value. And everybody in the audience that day, as Jesus is telling this story, they would have been like, wow, okay. Yeah, this merchant, he's looking for something that is of incredible worth. And then Jesus takes it up a notch. In the next verse... He finishes the story with this. When this man who is a merchant discovers a pearl of great value, a pearl of more value than any other pearl, the pearl of greatest value, listen to what he did. He sold everything he owned and bought it. So this merchant, he doesn't just sell his merchandise. You get that, right? He doesn't just sell what he had in stock. He doesn't just clear out his store. No, he sells absolutely everything he has, everything he owns, so that he can have the one thing that's more valuable than every other thing. And in so doing, watch this. When he does that, when he sells not just his merchandise, but everything, he no longer becomes or no longer is a merchant. His identity has changed because he's willing to let go of everything to take hold of that which is more valuable than every other thing. And again, the question, the audience is leaning in and left trying to answer is this, for what would you make a drastic 
or life-altering act? What's your pearl? What is it you prioritize above everything else? What pearl has the power to change your identity? And Jesus never verbalizes this question, but it's the one question everybody in his audience is left asking, what's that treasure? What's that pearl? And I don't know about you, but it reminds me of another story. And this story isn't a parable. This story happened. This, this man comes to Jesus. He's, he's like the merchant in the parable. This is a man who is wealthy, who is rich by the standards in his world and in his day. And he comes to Jesus with this question. Maybe you remember this story. He comes to Jesus and he asks, Teacher, Rabbi, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, why ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive, watch that. This isn't something you can earn or do enough to get or to gain on your own. But if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Well, this was really good news to this rich young man because he knew the commandments. And as far as he knew, he had kept the commandments. But he wanted to know what commandments Jesus was talking about. Because in the law of Moses, the Pharisees, they did a good job of breaking this down. There were some 633 different commandments that they had decided everyone should keep in order to please God. So he asked, he asked Jesus a really good question. Like, can you help me out? Like, which commandments specifically are you talking about? So Jesus rattles off some of the familiar ones, some of the ones that you probably know, the Ten Commandments, right? And the man, again, this is good news. He's feeling good about life, feeling good about himself. He tells Jesus, hey, I have done all that. I have kept the commandments you're talking about. I've done that. And then Jesus says this. Well, if you want to be perfect, and that word perfect, it's not like perfection. It's like complete. If you want to be perfect, complete, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. But what kind of treasure would you be willing to make a drastic and life-altering act? What is it that you prioritize above everything else. What treasure, what pearl has the power to change your identity? These parables that Jesus told, and even the story about this rich young man, all of them, they they raise these questions that are deep inside all of us, right? We're all looking for more. We're all searching. We're all seeking. But Jesus is asking, What is it for you that is of immeasurable worth? What are you willing to go all in for? What are you willing to leverage your life for? And so the question becomes, what is your treasure? What is your pearl? This is the question everybody that Jesus was talking to was having to ask himself. And for those of us who consider ourselves modern-day disciples of Jesus, it's the question we have to ask and answer too. What's your treasure? What's your pearl? What is it that you prioritize over everything else? What are you seeking? For some of us, it's a job, right? It's a career. For some of us, maybe it's a platform. Some of us, we just want recognition. We want to be appreciated. We want someone to notice what we do or how hard we work. Others of us, it's something different entirely. Maybe for you, it's your kids. 
And I talk to those of us who are parents right now have kids in the room. I mean, we live in a world right now where so many parents are, are gaining their, their value for themselves, how they view themselves based on what their kids do or don't achieve, right? Let me tell you about how awesome my kids are, and that makes me feel good about myself. No pressure on our kids, but we put a lot of pressure on our kids because we want them to do well so we feel better about ourselves. I know it's backwards, it's messed up, but that's the world we live in right now, right? What's your treasure? What are you leveraging everything for? Think about it. Jesus wants to know, what is it you prioritize? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? What is it? What is that that you're willing to leverage your life for? Here's what you need to know. Not all pearls on the market are cultured pearls. So I know you know this, but let me just remind you that that you can go out today and you can buy a string of pearls, but you may end up with fake pearls. And you may think they're worth a lot, and it may be too late before you realize, oh, you know what? These pearls worthless. They're fake. There's a lot of fake pearls on the market. And you may be walking around thinking that you found pearls. You found that of which is of great value, but only realize later it's actually, they're not real. There are treasure chests that are filled with gold, but let me tell you right now, there are treasure chests right now that are filled with gold, and it's not real gold. It's fake gold. They call it fool's gold. You know what's true about fool's gold? It looks like real gold, but it's not. It's worthless. And I'll tell you, let me just lean in a little bit and tell you right now, there are a lot of people, a lot of Christian people, a lot of people in churches today, they think they found the pearl. They think they found the treasure. But the pearls are fake. The treasure's fake. Fool's gold. Worthless. They think they found it. But they haven't found it. Jesus says, there is a treasure that's so valuable. It's It's worth you giving up everything to obtain it. There is a pearl of such great price that you would be wise to sell everything in order to obtain it. But the thing about it is, this treasure, well, you know what the treasure is. If you don't know what the treasure is, let me tell you what the treasure is. The treasure is the kingdom of heaven. And it's not so much something that you possess as it is something that possesses you. It's not something, it's not a commodity to be bought and sold, but when you discover it, it changes everything. It changes your identity, it changes your priorities. And you know you found it when you realize that everything that this world has to offer, it just collects rust and dust, but when you discover the treasure of heaven, when you discover that which cannot rust and cannot collect dust, it changes the way we live. It gives us a new way, a different way to live, a different way to live in relationship to God, a different way to live in relationship with each other, a different way to live in relationship with this world. And here's the good news. When you find this treasure, when you experience what life is like in the kingdom of heaven, it's like finding a treasure buried in a field. You wake up one day, and some of you have experienced this. You know what this is like. You've experienced the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of God. And you're like, oh, wow, can you believe this? Do you know, can I tell you about the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of God? Like all my sins washed away. It's all been forgiven. I have been set free from those chains. Whatever those chains were for you, you've been set free from those chains. And now you realize what life is like living life in Christ, living life in the kingdom of heaven. Some of you found this. You know what I'm talking about. It's, It's a game changer when you discover the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the compassion the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness of God. It literally changes everything about you. Some of you found it. You know what life is like 
When you give generously and sacrificially, and then what you, what you realize is that now God is providing for you, his provision is there for you in a way that you didn't know how things were going to go except that God came along and he did what only God can do. You could have tried to live life on your own. You could have provided for yourself, but you decided to go all in with God and let God provide for you, and now you're experiencing the miracle that is the provision of God in your life, and it changes everything. You can't wait to tell people you're not going to believe the blessing that has happened in my life. It's inexplainable, unexplainable, except that I trusted God. And let me tell you what God provided. Let me tell you what God did for me. This is what life is like when you step into the kingdom of heaven. This is what life is like when you discover the kingdom of heaven. It's like a treasure and it changes everything. And I tell you, there's there's probably three kinds of people in the room today, right? Some of you found the treasure. And what I'm saying right now, you're like, yeah, you're nodding your head because you get it. You're like, oh, yeah, let me tell you my story of when I found the treasure. Let me tell you what happened when I found that pearl, when I experienced the grace of God, the mercy of God, the provision of God, the goodness of God. And you know what I'm talking about because you've been there. You've experienced it, and it changed. changed your life for the rest of your life, right? Some of you, you thought you found it, but you're hearing me talk, and you, you see what Jesus says, and you're like, I'm not sure if I found that. And maybe you found something, but maybe you didn't find what Jesus wants you to find. If that's you, let me encourage you, okay? Because Jesus said, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. These are the words of Jesus. So keep seeking, keep searching. You will know when you find the treasure, when you find the pearl. Some of you, you didn't know what to look for. And maybe you're here today and it's like you were in a field and you didn't even know it was here, but all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I think I just stumbled on something that's of great value. And you have. And the invitation of Jesus, the invitation of Jesus is to go all in for the kingdom of heaven and to find exactly what it is he wants you to find, to see and to experience what life is like in the kingdom of heaven. And when you do, I'll tell you what will happen. I can tell you what will happen because I've seen it. I've experienced it. Some of you have experienced it. I've seen it happen to so many people. When you find this treasure, when you find out what life is like in the kingdom of heaven, your heart explodes in worship. You can't help but lift your hands in song. You sing how great is our God and God is so good. And every other song, you make up songs like Chad does because you need to find new ways to tell God how awesome and how amazing and how good he is. Your, your prayers are filled with gratitude because you just can't say thank you enough to God, for God, and what God has done for you and in you and what he's doing through you and what he's doing around you. You see the evidence of his goodness all around because now your eyes are open, the blind see. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus did. The deaf hear. You hear stories. You see stories. You never saw before. You see it all. You hear it all. You experience it all because now your heart is awake to what God is doing in this world. This is what happens when we discover with open hands and open hearts what life is like in the kingdom of heaven. You see, when we go all in with God, we discover the treasure of immeasurable worth. And it's, well, you know what the treasure is? Treasure. Is Jesus. The treasure is Jesus. And when you find Jesus, I'm going to tell you, when you find Jesus and you step into relationship, into life with Jesus, there's a reason we call it life in Christ. This is what life in the kingdom of heaven is like. When you step into living life in Christ, that's a life unlike any other. And Jesus changes absolutely 
that gives now all of your hope and all your trust and all your faith is in Christ and Christ alone. And what you experience is that every morning his mercies are new. What you find is that he is good and faithful and kind. What you discover is that life in Christ, life with Christ, left with the people who believe in Christ and belong to Christ, everything is changing. changing. Everything changes because the treasure is Jesus. I know we live in a world where we go all in for so many things, but I want to tell you, they all pale in comparison to life in Christ. And I want you to experience the life, the abundant life that Jesus offers. This is the something bigger. This is that which is infinitely more or immeasurably more than we could ask, dream, or imagine. This is life in the kingdom of heaven. This is life with Jesus. Church, if you would, let's stand. So all along throughout this series, we've been praying. And we've been asking God to do something bigger in us and through us. And today, yeah, we announced a big number, and that's amazing. I hope, I hope all of you were a part of that number in some way. If you haven't had a chance to do that, I want to encourage you, not because we need more money. You get that. It's not about the money, right? I want you to be a part of it, a part of what God's doing. Just give five bucks, you know, lean in a little bit, right? And say, I want to be a part of what God's doing. Because this is our prayer. This is our prayer that together we go all in for the treasure that is of immeasurable worth so that we can experience what life is like. So we can experience the Spirit of God moving in our hearts and lives to do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. So we can experience the fruit of the Spirit being cultivated in our hearts and our lives. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and generosity and forgiveness and mercy. Every fruit of the Spirit. It's our prayer that we would be like trees planted by the riverside, bearing fruit in every season, that we would be a people whose leaves never never wither, never fade, never fall, that we would prosper in all that we do so that God could get all the glory, so that he could get all the glory to him alone who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish more, to do more, infinitely more, immeasurably more, something bigger than we could ever ask, dream, think, imagine. We don't have enough words to describe it. And so we just say glory to God. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, world without end. And His church says, Amen.